And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. You're here with uh, the host, Crystal Fleming, and I'm excited today to share with you an author who I really appreciate. She has opened my eyes to a whole new world. She's an author that's defied, defied every glass ceiling possible, and I cannot wait for you to meet her today. But before you get to meet this exciting romance author, I have to take the time to do our little uh, adverts for the day. So here is the advert for Shadow, and it is part of the Time Guardian Book 4 series with Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the, the goddess Lathena's death, Giselle swears revenge and fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battle through the past and into a possible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? I also want to remind you that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Rao from her it, it's one of her roman british crime series can be found online and the most of the proceeds if not all the proceeds for the books that sold and her agent's uh, commission was all donated to the uk crisis so if you have an opportunity please um, go ahead and check that out but now I would really like to have the honor of introducing you to Heidi Becklachlan. And let's welcome Heidi McLaurin. Oh my gosh, I totally butchered that. McLaughlin. McLaughlin, thank yep. you. <laughs> I'm so bad with names. I should have asked you before we yeah, started okay. this. That that is actually like the fundamental thing you'll hear in the show is I'll forget to ask somebody how to pronounce their name, and then like two seconds in, I'll be like, "Oh shit, I butchered that." <laughs> Sorry. It's okay because like everyone butchers mine too, so <laughs> it happens. Yeah. I get called um, Christelle. Do you know the amount of times the Americans call me Christelle, and I'm like, it's an A. On e, crystal. But we spell it. So why they say that though is because of the I. Ah, uh, right. I thought it was because they were putting an E at the end or something. It's else. because of the I. Oh. So most people named Crystal spell it C R Y S T A L. So yeah. you add that K and you add the I, and it looks like Crystal. So take it. That is a champagne or wine or something, so it's good stuff. Well, to be fair, I was the reason they named a strip club in Aberdeen. That's awesome. (laughs) Like, I was a dancer of the year. I humiliated this guy quite a few times, uh, and he left our dance kind of scene and decided to own a strip club because he reckoned it was easier. (laughs) Definitely a lot more. (laughs) 
But he could he couldn't think of a name, and then he needed somebody to train a couple of his strippers, and they were like, "Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll call it Crystals." And it was my exact spelling. Oh, but thank God he has renamed the place, because um, like a lot of my friends were going in and sort of taking the piss out of him. They're like, "Oh, are you in love with Crystal? Because you named your club after her and stuff." And so yeah, he changed it. I think I think it humiliated him into changing it. So yeah. So I am a fan of yours, um, and I'm sort of letting the podcast know this, because you are a wrestling fan, number one, (laughs) which I found out before this podcast started, so anyone who's a wrestling fan becomes, like, part of my dream set of authors forever. (laughs) Um, Also, it's kind of weird, because, like, there's so few of us. Yeah. If we're such a big American, you know, like, thing, the fact that there's not more of us is kind of sad. Yeah, I don't know, it's... Uh, it's definitely like again. It's a ni- it's a niche company. It's you know. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. True. I th- I also think like it would have. It's like a dirty little secret. I think to some people because they're like, yeah, we like it, but we're not going to like admit that we like. it. I mean, it's good in it. I'm so like, it's like if you like reality TV, it's yeah. You don't say it. It's though. good. In- <laughs> it's, it's like nighttime soap operas. Yeah, exactly. Like, have you seen The Miz and Mrs. yet? Nope. I highly I recommend it if you want to piss yourself off. They're funny, but I just, I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV sometimes, so I'm very... Oh, I know that. I'm very ones. selective. Like, every, everything I watch is on the computer, because we don't actually own a TV. No. I'm just very so to watch, yeah. um, because I always sit there and think, if, I'm, if I have time to watch TV, then I should be doing something else, like writing or plotting or or something so yeah tv i'm the same yeah, yeah. tv is uh it's a luxury and i don't do it a whole lot so it, it was weird because like i i went through that period of oh i should be writing i should be writing i should be writing and then my husband's like i need time with you like i need to spend time with you um so we started watching stuff in bed and that's like his thing now like i will try and save stuff up and watch it in bed with him and then I try not to write while I'm in bed, so, like, it's his time with me. Um, and it's weird, it seems to, like, balance out. And especially when he was driving the buses, we were getting very little time where we were being man and wife. It was, like, sort of ships in the night. Um, so, yeah, like, I made a point of, okay, it's nine o'clock, things go away, we'll watch Sherlock or we'll watch something for two, three hours. Yeah, that's how it is here. Um, well, not so much during yeah. the summer because there's no new shows, but we were, you know, we have a like family or whatever TV show. So my husband and I watch a lot of stuff together and we record it. Yeah. And then, you know, it's either like on a Sunday morning or a Saturday afternoon, you know, when we're not really super busy and we'll watch some shows I have to watch live though. Like I get so invested in those characters. I have to watch them live. And while my daughter is away at school, we have, um, what we call FBI Tuesdays. So there's three hours of the show FBI and we have yep. law and order Thursdays. So, um, mm-hmm. well, she doesn't watch the new revised older law and order. We do watch, um, SVO and then we watch the new one organized crime. But so she watches them on her computer and then I watch them. And then in commercials, we chat about what's going on and all that. So those are shows that I'll watch live because she's watching them at the same time. So she feels like she's at home watching TV with us, but she's even at school. Yeah. But then we just, but we record them all. So then my husband watches, watches them later or there'll be shows that we, you know, we have 
a couple that we just watched together all the time that they were like his and I, or our shows together. Um, but he also shows that he watches with the girls. So he'll save those for when they come. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. crazy, crazy I mean, we were the same because we've got FBI's, we watch the NC, all the NCIS's except New Orleans because we couldn't, neither of us could get into that one. Um, so yeah, we watch it. Like, and then he, he watched the Hawaii one and then he was like, no, I don't like Hawaii. Uh, done. And I was like, okay, so like, we'll watch NCIS LA and NCIS Normal. And then we like, we have so many. Yeah. And I feel like from like September through like June, we're just constantly every day kind of making sure we've watched everything. And then we find extra shows like we just found Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. So we just like <laughs> binged Yellowstone and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. And now we're on Elementary with Sherlock Holmes and Joan Watson, which is really good by the way. I actually Yeah. I didn't think I'd enjoy it, but I actually think it's quite funny. Um But yeah, like it's so weird. And then we found um Oh gosh, the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter oh, Soldier. On Disney. He watches all he watches yeah. a lot more shows than I do. Uh, but you mentioned so, Yellowstone. Watch oh. 1883. Yes, I uh, did. I ended up watching it on myself because he had watched the first two and he's like, nope, oh. done. And I was like, I can't like just stop because this girl is like, okay, I'm, I don't care about any of the other ones. Yeah. That's like, you know, and it was like, I was looking at it and I'm like, oh my God, that's Faith Evans and that's like yeah, Tom McGrath, you know. Faith Hill, yeah. sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, my God, these are singers. Like, these are big country singers. Yeah. Like, no, that was really good. And I was, I'm with your husband on that. The first episode, I was like, eh, I don't know. I'll give it another episode. And then by the end of the second episode, I was I was way into it. And then I was just, like, waiting, waiting. And we watched that one live because we're no commercials yeah. on the streaming channel. And I was just, like, every week just sitting on the edge of my, my seat going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my yeah. gosh, like, God, you got to see it. Got to see it. Yeah, I ended up like that myself um, because we get Paramount through. Oh my gosh, uh, we get it through Amazon Prime, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is this is good. This is really fun. I really like this," and I just, I just got hooked. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like I know what I'm doing. Like I really like this. This is fantastic. And then. Um, I don't know why, but, like, Ian's a John Wayne fan, right? And I can hear people's eyes rolling at this particular moment, but his father, like, drilled into his head, John Wayne, John Wayne, John Wayne, John Wayne. So I think almost when he was watching 1883, he was, like, comparing it to John Wayne's stuff. And it wasn't, as far as he was concerned... Up there with John Wayne. Well, so. yeah, I mean, that's why he fell out with it. You have to think John Wayne. You know, all that stuff was old, and yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. It was it was good. It was a lot better than I thought, and I thought it was a bit more historically accurate as well. Um, you yeah. know, because it it made a lot more sense. Um, however, I think that what people miss out on is that Nordic people would actually know how to swim even though it was banned because a lot of them had Viking communities yeah. 
so that there was that kind of survival water survival instinct thing um so yeah i wouldn't have believed that was the only part i didn't believe because i i think with the nordic stuff that i've grown up with like getting thrown in the ocean when i was a kid and stuff like that you kind of learn this shit like it, it that was the only thing i was like mm. but the rest of it i loved yeah. I, I just loved the whole kind of you know 1800s they did things way differently than they did you know in the 1900s or whatever because of what exactly experience yeah. and all that stuff but yeah no i loved that show and i was just oh my gosh i cried so hard on that last episode i was just like, oh my in tears no i know so did i I did, and I was just like, I hope they get her back to him, and then they didn't, and I was just like, how are they going to tell him? I know. Like, where? We need that. We need, we need, oh my gosh, we need. We need that. We need, like, but I I heard that it's not done. So, I think what they kind of hinted at is that they'll do, like, a, like a one or two episode prologue of 1833 to lead into 1932, which are the boys now from 1883 as like adults star in yellowstone yeah so yeah i don't know but we we just need we just need john going to the the pasture with the flowers to tell sam that she's not coming back and oh yeah yeah and i i just i wonder like like i i want to know more about him like does he man move his settlement out to Yellowstone and that's why we have Indians no. out there? Is that maybe why? No. Or if you go back to the episode prior to the last episode where and, and if you're current on and if you're current on Yellowstone, if you go back to the yeah. second to last pair of eighteen three where um John comes across the tribe. Um yeah. throughout Yellowstone you've seen other clips of John and the boys and then they came back Across yeah. this tribe later oh, when yeah. the grandfather died they needed to bury him on the land right that's right yeah i remember that yeah so now that they're building the airport on that land they've uncovered his skull which yep yeah, that's right so yeah i tied it in it and i was like but i also wonder if that may be connected to to you know her husband like maybe he moved some of his there to yeah, like yeah no that's keep the keep them alive or whatever like because he wants to be near near her grave or you know like there was lots of that kind of mm, elements in it so i love the fact that we share so many shows <laughs> i loved the book forever girl i highly recommend it to all the listeners so tell us what what are you currently released that you want to share with us today and what kind of led you to writing forever girl and for you know, lead you on to the next one that you've done? So I think uh, my most recent release is actually I'm called Forever Mason. Um, yeah, I've seen that Which one, is yeah. a prequel to Forever My Girl. So this is, um, Forever Mason starts when the boys are 15, 16 years old. It mm-hmm. really goes into um, how Mason started dating Caitlin, um, how his relationship with Liam was when they were teenagers, what kind of relationship Liam had with his parents. Um, and then, you know, obviously it leads into the decision that Liam made or one that just mm-hmm. kind of starts when Mason decides that he's not going to go to college with Liam and he's just going to stay local with Caitlin. Um, and then, you know, that just kind of tailspins into Mason or uh, Liam's decision to leave. 
Um, and then it's the 10 years, um, I mean, it's tearjerker. <laughs> it's the 10 years that Liam is gone. So it's the birth of Noah, the birth of Mason's twins, his mom dying and, you know, them just doing things. Yeah. And they know that he's famous and they, you know, they know all the stuff that's going on. And it's, it's Mason going to Los Angeles to try and find him and waiting day after day at the agent's office. And, you know, the agent just obviously keeps Liam away because they don't want him to leave. Um, so that's my most recent, my, and um, it was something I had said from the beginning I didn't want to write because it was, it's complicated, um, and it's just, it's so heartbreaking to write about a character that's just, that's been dead from the beginning, right? And that's mm -hmm. how my girl started. I had seen a photo um, on the internet of this guy, and it the he was just holding up, like, a, a laptop, and I said to my, my friend, um, I said, oh, I said, you know, I see this and I see a, a very modern day say anything. You know, that movie with John Cusack, just holding up the boombox. But now we don't, mm -hmm. or we have iTunes at the time, you know, because this is back in 2010 or 2011. And, yeah, you know, we don't have, and I said, so I just really see it. She's like, well, what's he doing? And I was like, oh, he's like, you know, just he's apologizing to his girl for whatever and you know, he's been gone, and, you know, she's like, well, why did he leave? Where did he go? And I was like, oh, you, you know, he might become a rock star, because why not, right? Rock stars. Are... Yeah, why not, yeah. And, uh, and most musicians, you know, sometimes fall safe the planet, whatever. Um, yeah, they do. She goes, so my friend says to me, she goes, well, why is he back? And I said, oh, his best friend died. So from the get-go, before I even put any words down for Forever My Girl, um, Mason was, he was dead. And... So the entire yeah. story, the first three books, was just built around Mason being gone and, and his wife moving on and his friend moving on and, you know, them creating this whole new nuclear family and, and, and doing all those sorts of things. So then when I wrote Holding On to Forever, which is which was, mm -hmm. is Peyton's story as an adult, and that's one of Mason's twins, and I have Mason in there and, like, the ghostly aspiration, you know, daughter's dying, so he's there. I really then got the urge to, okay, let me start writing this. But it's, it really took me, I want to say, five years to get the outline perfect, yeah. to actually have the courage to sit down and write that story. And it's a, it's a thick story. It's probably one of my, it's over 105,000 words. So it's a pretty fat little book. Uh, wow. And yeah. it had to be right because I needed everyone to long for someone who doesn't exist in their world anymore and still fall in love with him and still, you know, show that his wife loved him and like his kids adored him and all that stuff. So but it was, yeah. it was a difficult, you know, it wasn't easy. Like there's a lot of crying and I played with the first and the last chapter over and over again. I would switch their places and I would give it to someone to read and then I'd switch it again and say, okay, well, how about this? So it actually starts with, the funeral scene from Forever My Girl, it's just of that scene in the book and then flashes back to when Mason's 15 and meeting uh -huh. the first time yeah. and um, just being Liam, being Liam's support for everything because his, his dad is just, you know, overbearing and, and, you know, just not an overall great father. And then it ends with it ends with with Mason obviously getting in the in the wreck, um, but you don't you never see it you never the the wreck's not detailed it's 
literally him touching the dial on the radio, saying verbally in his truck that it's time for him to come home. And then, oh, that's no. it. so that's the most recent release, and it was all you know, all yeah. part of From My Girl, and um, it gave readers a chance to know Mason and know him, and not in uh, just in like a flashback form, which is where he's been this entire time. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, and it's hard to write flashback like that. That's another reason I admire you so much, is because flashback is so freaking hard to write. They're not easy. And it's, it's like, you honestly start wanting to, like, pull your hair out a little bit because it is difficult. And then people are like, oh, my God, you flash back too much. Like, I get that all the time, by the way. I flash back too much. Um, so, like, I get that. And it, it's not an easy thing to balance. And when you do find the right balance to it, you just have to kind of cling on to it and almost. So I understand, like, the going back and forth and, like, I mean, I killed off one of my main characters in my series. I will not say that. <laughs> But, um, you know, like, everybody, I have so many fakes and twists that nobody's actually guessed who it is yet. Um, but for that first five books, I, I had to put in the flashbacks to almost build this kind of life. So it wasn't just like they just started in the books. Yeah. They actually had a life before the books, before any of this stuff. I think that's so important. So I admire the fact that you've done that. And it's, it's a writing trait you don't see very often. And it's a writing technique that doesn't get used very often. And I think it's such a shame because it's really important, I think, for the 3D character development. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I ring I ring the bell of uh, Thank you. hallelujah for you. So, yeah. I mean, I, I like flashbacks um, because it's, it's a better way to show what the character's intentions are than to telling the reader what the intentions were. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Why, why something I, happens, it's better to read the catalyst for what made that decision and the, yeah. the character being like, oh, well, you know, I saw you do this and so that was that. Like, okay. <laughs> so is there a book that you're excited about that's upcoming or, um, like, are you not able to tell us too so much? So, I'm so I'm working, I'm still in my Beaumont series, Seth, so I'm working on a new book for um, two... I, I saw that, Next yeah. Generation <laughs> L and Ben. They already have one book out, but Obviously, there I've hinted at some stuff going on in the in the recent books with them, and yeah, um, I just uh, pitched a book to some publishers, and mm -hmm. that this one gets picked up because it's um, it's tearjerker. No lie, it's going to make you cry, and I'm excited to write it. Uh, kind of like I'm not really my synopsis makes me cry, so it's going to be one of those. Exactly. You need a good cry for an ugly cry, is what uh, I it's say. It's going to be an ugly cry, um, but I'm excited about the concept. It's something I've worked on for quite some time, like well over three years, um, just to make it right. So just waiting to hear back um, on whether um, it's going to be accepted. So hopefully like this week. Um, but yeah, um, so I can't tell the title that one yet because it's probably going to change. Like they always change titles, but... I'm the same. Like every time I think I have a title, or somebody's like, uh, "No," yeah. and then like you feel obligated to change it. Both yeah. of those title stays, um, but you know, once you sign that contract, it's really yeah, you're, you're done. Not... It, you give it to them, and that's yeah, it. Really not yeah, a... yeah, so, not that feeling. yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. But I'm super confident um, that um, the deal will be made, and I'll be pounding my little keyboard with uh yeah fun stuff 
it, it's it's so funny you say that because <laughs> don't take this badly, but you inspired this series, um, and I cannot get it signed anywhere, which is so sad. But it's called uh, Lord Crawfields. So it's about these men who are really, really rough and really jaggy, but the women that they kind of encounter, they're just that little bit stronger, and it's like iron sharpens iron, and they just seem to work. You know, they come together and they work. And I don't know what it was, but I was reading up on you a few years ago, uh, before I ever started this, and it just popped in my head that, like, this series, just from everything that you had said in interviews and stuff like that, and I was like, oh my god, I've got a series, and... I wrote, like, the first three chapters of the first book, and then I got demolished, and I haven't touched it since. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird, because, like, when I meet authors, and I talk to authors, even if I'm researching authors, they sometimes inspire these really great things inside me. Oh, I'm... So, if I ever get the Crawfords out, they will all be dedicated to you, because uh, <laughs> they were inspired completely by you. Oh, that's, um, that's super flattering. And I actually wrote the entire breakdown for every single one of the books, and I actually did it in hospital. Oh, jeez. I was stuck in the hospital for a month, and I had to, like, I wanted to buy your book, but I couldn't because I was in the hospital, and Ian's like, you better not have parcels sent to that. <laughs> but I bought the book anyway, um, and he wouldn't bring it in to me to read. And I was kind of going crazy, so I was reading up all these other stuff, because you can go on the fandom sites, and it shows you, like, the books that are coming out, and yeah. the books that you've done, you can, like, you can see snips of, like, all these other books. So I was just, like, flicking through, and then I was like, and then I was watching um, Devilish Maids when they were doing, like, the infusions and stuff, because you can't write if you've got, like, chips in your arm. And I was watching Devilish Maids, and I was just like... It was just, like, everything you'd done that Devilish Maids combined created this series. And I was just like, oh, wow. So, yeah. That's I have a... It's nice that... It's nice that your brain is always, like, working to be creative and, and, and in that situation. Because a lot of people be like, oh, I can't think of anything. Yeah. I, I need to write something, but I don't know what to do. So, the fact that your mind is constantly going and looking for inspiration, like, you just have to write... I mean, that's uh, the thing is, everyone's like, you know, what's like the one piece of writing advice you can give someone? And I'm like, write stuff down everything. Constantly, yeah. Constantly. Um, and use your, you know, use the notes app on your phone or write yourself an email or something. You know, most of us have, yeah. most of us have smartphones. So, like, all those apps. We all have smartphones. Are yeah. to us. And you have to utilize them. So, if something, even if you just, like, voice it to yourself, leave yourself a voice memo. Be like, oh, this is what I saw today. You know, we do a People yeah. watching, like, I'll sit, you know, on a bench, you know, waiting for my kids to do something, and they'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just going to sit out here and watch some people, because, you know, watch, the, yeah. watch their mannerisms, you watch how, you know, a guy reaches for a girl's hand, and, like, all that kind of stuff is stuff that you can put down in your books and in your thoughts and stuff, and, you know. And it's individual, too. Like, it's, it's like a fingerprint, almost, because it's completely, like, your own, and... Just to give you an idea. Nice. I thought I'd show you it because it's like actually exists. And the worst thing was, like, I don't know what it was you said in an interview, but you made me create the LA spin-off series. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, I I um 
I write more when I'm in the hospital than I do at home, which is a really bad thing. Without anybody bug. But, well, it, it's not that, like, in the hospital, because usually I'm in a ward that knows me, um, and I have bad PTSD. Like, I have bad medical PTSD. So they know, like, sometimes Crystal just needs to shut down and not be there. Like, not, because, like, I always get the worst roommates that need emotional support. And then I, like, get worn out because I'm constantly kind of keeping them calm and keeping them positive and keeping them going. And then Crystal needs, like, time to heal herself. Yeah. Um, so I, I go and I wait till they fall asleep and then I write. And then the nurses will come in and they'll be like, Crystal, you've got friggin' tubes everywhere. Why are you writing? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because it's my way. It's my way of staying sane in this crazy world. Because... Yeah. I mean, I remember last summer was the worst summer of my life. I had a chest strain in, a breathing tube in. I had just tubes everywhere. And it was hot here. We had the extreme heat last year. So it was like 40 with no AC, no wind. Like there was no breeze coming in the windows. We had these two fans, which was not doing anything (laughs) at all. And I was just like writing constantly in my notebook because it was one of the things I could do that just got rid of like the moments when I couldn't type when I could type I was actually editing a young adult novel but I just kept moving forward because I knew if I stopped and I thought about what was happening to me and what was going on I would just fall apart so I just I I just kept going and then when I was convalescing it was I got told you should start this podcast and funnily enough that's you know, I thought, oh, I'm doing a university course and my husband's away a lot. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll start a podcast. Like, I didn't have enough on my plate. <laughs> Sometimes, though, having too much on your plate is a good thing because it keeps your head. Yeah. Keeps you busy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm somebody that, that does believe in, like, distraction methods because it, you know. Yeah. It helps. It, it, it really honestly helps because there's, like... I know for me, there's like so much time where I just start freaking out and go, ah, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. So, yeah, I just, um, I like to kind of cling on a little bit and just, yeah. Yeah. So give us a little bit, like, because I know we talked about this before, but tell us what it was like when you heard that Forever Girl was going to be a movie and you were going down this crazy ass journey. What what was that like Um, for you? Uh, the initial, so just a little backstory, I wrote and published Forever My Girl in 2012, um, at the very end of the year, so really didn't have any expectations whatsoever. Um, I had previously written a young adult story, because that was really where my heart was, was in young adult, uh, paranormal fantasy, that kind of stuff. Did the whole agent thing, was rejected, you know, whatever, then saw the photo online, wrote uh, wrote for my girl in 26 days. Um, wow. Not a very big book, like about 67 or 68,000 words, but wrote it in, in yep. uh, the 26 days, which those days are important, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, so I had um, a mentor, pretty much, I mean, a, a mentor in um, Jillian Dodd, who's an author. She's the first author to read it. She was on this massive self-published train. Like she was just doing super well. And um, I had reviewed a couple of her books. So I had sent it to her. We, we had um, formed this awesome relationship. And um, 
I sent it to her and I was like, I don't know what, just, I want to know what you think. Like, does it have any, yeah. you know, legs or whatever? And she loved it. She's actually the one who came up with the title because I had it as a different title and she came up with the title Forever My Girl. So we left it and went with that. Um, but she was such a champion for this book from the get-go. Um, and then we published, I published it. She held my hand through the entire publishing process and published it and the first four days it was just like, oh, it was doing really well. It was like when Movers and Shakers was super popular on Amazon and she would send me these, you know, little screen caps of, oh, it's this, it's this, and people were like buying my book and it was crazy. Um, and I had no idea why or how. I mean, I had done a blog tour and I think only ten bloggers at the time was like wow. for, like that's that was like the max that, that blog tour company were doing. Yeah. Like, oh you can have I've got ten bloggers. And so I was, like, happy with 10 bloggers doing it, whatever. Because back then, arcs were, like, so coveted that, yeah, they were. you know, you were, like, begging and begging to be on someone's tour. Yeah. Um, and so I released the end of the year. So my birthday is uh, December 27th. That's when I released and gave myself a birthday present. And then by, like, New Year's, about the 29th, like the kind of the number the hype just kind of went down a little bit which is fine it's like you did it's leak thing or whatever um and then on new year's eve um i was just chatting about it in a group that's stuff when groups were super cool on on facebook and super like um you know informative and you can actually like people were engaging and just doing all this stuff and um like the sales just like were going up and going up and going up and I was just like oh this is cool like, people are buying my book yay like you know it's good New Year's Eve whatever and then by um, January 2nd um, my husband had called me at work so you know I worked and like most beginning authors you, you work full time job that um, forever my girl called my little book had broke the top 100 on Amazon Wow. So, but not only had it broke the top 100 on Amazon, but it broke the top five on Barnes and Noble, which was really unheard of because uh, Barnes yeah, was anti self publish at the time. Yeah, it is. Seeing yeah. that trickle. Like, and then a lot of those agents who had rejected my initial story were knocking on the email saying, Hey, we want to represent you. Because again, that was the, that was the craze at the time. All the big New York agents were coming after these indie published authors that were doing really well and, and, you know, gobbling them up. Um, so I, that's when I was my friend, uh, my local friend, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And then in that time, one of the big five publishers um, came to me and said, oh, we want to, we want to publish these books. Like we want to buy, do a three book contract. So then my friend gave me her agent's name. We started talking and all that. Um, and I subsequently decided not to go with, um, that publishing company, which um, it's either here nor there. I don't, you know, I don't know if it would have been a good thing or a bad thing, but I couldn't go with them. Uh, yeah. And then um, within weeks of that, so come March, um, with the first time the production company LD Entertainment reached out to me and said that you know, they want to know if my book rights are available. Uh, however, yeah. they sent the email to Jillian Dodd because um, she had. Uh, let me use one of her ISBNs so everything was kind of tied to her so they, they sent it to her and I asked her said, what does that even mean? Like, and she's like I have no idea. She's like you have to email them back. 
So I emailed it to my agent, and she's like, yeah, you know, we handle this in our L.A. department. So that's when I met up with my agent in L.A., um, and she started to negotiate a contract. So by May, uh, the end of May of 2013, so mind you, this book has been out for six months now, we signed... That was crazy. Like, within six months, and I was just like... My mind was a whirlwind of just what is going the on. The hell, like, yeah. How is this my reality? Like, when my husband asked me when I was writing this book what my expectations were, this was not it. No, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't even on my radar, um, like, at all. At the time, I wanted to make some money to make sure my daughter had... Um, enough money to pay on, play on her travel basketball team so that she had a chance to get a scholarship to college to play basketball. That was it. That yeah. was, so goal, like, goal went right way beyond what I expected. And then this was just like mind blown. And yeah. then with that comes the, um, it's never going to become a movie. Hollywood does this all the time. They shop right. Yep. They do this. They lock stuff up so other people can't do anything with it. And I was just like, well, hey, you know what? Yeah, I've heard that one a lot. Yeah. They, they've, you know, they've paid me. So I'm happy. Like, whatever. And then, As long as you get paid. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, you can, you can forget about it till you, you have to, you know, do something. Yeah. To pay and continue to pay. Um, and so on average, they say on average, it takes about five years to get a movie made from, from contract to finish. Yeah. And that's what it was. So we signed a contract in 2013, and the movie came out in 2018. Like, literally yeah. years. And, um, but yeah, it's just, it, like I said, it's mind-blowing knowing that somebody wants to make a movie off your book. Yeah. yeah. But to actually get on set and to meet, care, meet the actors, meet the director, um to watch production, to watch the filming, to just be like, holy crap. Like, to sit in your very own director's chair. Like, it is the most surreal. Like, I was so nervous. I, I probably shook for, like, the first four hours I was on set. Because people <laughs> Did kept... nobody bring you a coffee and just be like, hey, it's they cool to see you here. Me, everything I wanted. And, like, you know, the whole, all of it, they were just super gracious um, but it was just like, like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's hell of a, an experience. Yeah. The guy that was like making sure the cords were straight for the track, for the cameraman to like the extras that were there. And they just all kept thanking me for writing this book. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, really? Like, they, yeah, they were so great, yeah. so humbled that, and, and, you know, they, it's because they were given work. Like they got to work. So yeah, of course. Yeah. Like good. And yeah, so it was just, it, everyone always, we just did a panel in, in uh, Texas for book Bonanza. And that was one of the questions, like, how does that feel? And because we've all had something different except for E.L. James. Like she's had theatrical releases. Um, yeah. Anna Todd was on there and hers, you know, is on Netflix. And then uh, B.B. Eason was on the panel as well. And, uh, and hers went to Netflix and stuff. And then, same with and Julie Murphy, who did Dumpling. Like, she's, you know, they're all yeah. now. Me and E.L. James are the ones that have had theatrical releases. And so they were just like, you know, how does that feel? And it's just this weirdest thing. You cannot describe how it feels. No, you can't. 
it's, it's <laughs> simply not not a word that captures watching your characters come to life mm-hmm. and and as weird as it is to watch it through someone else's eyes because you had a screenwriter yeah of course it's still the character that you created and yeah like I said, I was nervous for, like, the first... I was, like, shaking the whole time. And it was hot. We did it in Atlanta in August. But remember I said it took me 26 days to write a book? Yeah. It took 26 days to film the movie. Wow. Okay. That That is actually quite cool. It is cool. So, but yeah. Because that, that was the... That's the start to finish process. Like, it's a five-year... It was five years. They said it was going to be, you know, my agent's like, yeah, usually, you know, they hold them for like five years, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And I'm like, okay. And I remember getting the, the call from my agent. So she never really called. They always like, they yeah. email. And she called me one day and she goes, um, I, I'm FedExing you this contract. Like, you need to sign it and send it back immediately, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Like, Why? What's going on? She goes, we're going to production. And I was like, what? Is that work? Yeah. I went. Yep. A co-worker's office just in tears and she's like oh my god who died like who died and I'm like nobody's ever gonna make that and she's like they're gonna do what, what? Yep. she was like <laughs> because they are made like that was it they were moving to production like things were changing things were moving things were going and they were going to production and they were starting to cast and starting to do all this and I was just like holy wow so it totally changes your life like I used to think the biggest moment of mine was when I wrote um I wrote a wrestling storyline and I I was sitting and I I thought, oh my God, they're not going to like this. They're not going to like this. They're not going to like this. And then the guy that I was writing under turned around and he said, holy crap, this is the best wrestling storyline I've ever read. Yeah. It's- now, it, it was not performed by the wrestlers. It didn't go out. It was never used. But here this guy was that, you know, who'd worked in the biggest company. He'd worked in every wrestling company that's ever existed and you know he's saying you've got you've got something you're you you really understand this that is like the closest i'll ever feel to what you are saying yeah um but it is it's like you know it's like a thing and i've sat with wrestlers who i'm sorry to me wrestlers are are bigger stars than movie stars that's just how my brain works um you know and my best friend thought oh my god she's gonna go in and meet you know you know meet Rhino and meet Billy Gunn and uh, who didn't actually end up showing up to the show because he got stuck in the airport and deported, <laughs> which was kind of funny because that was a Billy Gunn trick. So um, his partner was trapped in the hotel. <laughs> he was supposed to be in a tag team, but Billy got stopped at the airport. Uh, he got sent back to America because he had the wrong visa. Oh, so, you know, the, the stupid things. But I met Kid Cash, and I sat with these uh, American wrestlers, and you'd have thought that this was just, you know, an everyday thing for me. It was like I, walk, I walked in, and it just clicked in my head, and I was like, oh, I can do this. I feel like home. Um, to the point where one of the wrestlers said, if you were not dating someone, I would marry you, take you home. Well, I would I would put, take you, put you in my car, drive you to the airport, take you back to my house, marry you, knock you up, chain you to the kitchen sink so you could never leave because I would not even trust you to go to the grocery store without another southern guy trying to steal you. Oh, jeez. So I'm like, my friend's like, that's a compliment, Crystal. And I'm thinking in my head, that sounds like domestic abuse. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, 
and then after that, like, it was almost like the wrestlers were trying to get me to go with somebody that was in wrestling because they were like, they wanted me to always be in wrestling because I had that mind, you know, like, I always say it's always the great girls behind the wrestlers that make the great wrestlers great, and, you know, I, I know that, that, for instance, Dwayne's wife was the reason he was so good, and he, he had the success that he had, and, you know, those other females out there that's made the wrestlers who they are, because, yeah. no offense, we have a good impact on people. I just wish there was more of us girls in the writer's room making a difference. Yeah. Because even though we're female, we can write some really fucking great stuff. Yeah, be, uh, here in our uh, our panel in Texas a couple weeks ago, B.B. mentioned being in the writer's room, as did Anna Todd, and they both have different yep. experiences. Um, B.B. Easton decided that she would rather just be home writing instead of being in that writer's room, whereas Anna Todd has taken on the more producer, executive producer roles with her movies. And yeah. now, as a passion for turning books into movies through this experience, so it's 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 fun to see like the two different sides of yeah what they've both been able to experience, and 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 for them to both realize that their passions are where they want them to be. Like you know, Anna Todd's writing these amazing stories, but she wants to produce films where BB Easton's given opportunity to write on her TV show and she's like, nah, I'm just going to write some books. And Yeah. Know, well, for me, like, I've done the writing at home thing. I've been at a wrestling show and I've written a wrestling show that never worked, that never happened because, you know, they changed their minds at the last second, which happens. Um, so I've had those experiences. And for me, like, I think because a writer's room is, is such a different world. I yeah. would more want to do it because I'm like one of these people that believes in breaking down the walls and breaking down the barriers a bit. And with me being such a, like, I am a disabled author. I have a learning disability of dyslexia. So, like, I feel like I would be breaking down some walls for, dis like, disabled people. So I would want to do the writer's room not really for myself, but so that I'm opening the door so that others can come in behind me and and have the opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise get if it wasn't for the fact that I was doing the writer room. Right. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, it's the same kind of thing I say. Like, if I got a chance to be in a wrestling writer's room, I would take it because I would be pushing that glass ceiling almost to breaking point, or if not breaking it, because I would be the first Scottish, Nordic, disabled, learning disabled writer to be in a, a wrestling writer's room. Uh, whether it's for All Elite Wrestling or whether it's for WWE. Um, you know, and, and that's that's a huge difference. And it, whatever company gets me, I guarantee you that the storylines would be far better with me there than what they've currently got. And if it comes down to a company war, I'm just a plane ticket away. <laughs> I'm just sticking that out there because you never know. Like, somebody from wrestling might listen to this and be like... Oh yeah, we need something to like change this whole battle between WWE and All Elite Wrestling, and then you know they remember me and they're like, "Yeah, we'll send you a plane ticket and four hundred one k. I can live with that, right? You know." So yeah, I love doing that, and I I love the fact that you and me have some areas of similarity, and you know we've had the craziness of our lives suddenly changing overnight, and 
I mean, I never thought that I'd sit down and write with Joey Legend. You know, like, that to me was... I, I did 90% of the writing. He'll tell you I did 90% of the writing. Um, but I got up at, like, 6 a.m. to do the calls with him, talking him through the storyline, seeing what he could add to it. And it was the same when I wrote my screenplays. Like, I literally went to the wrestlers, cap in hand, and sort of said, I need you to read this and tell me what's missing. Like, what can I do to make these scenes harder hitting and it is humbling they will humble you oh, I'm, but I'm it, no- it's worth it's worth it you know and i think everybody like you learn i mean they literally live 3d characters the entire time you know there's nobody better to learn from sometimes okay. um particularly raven who decided to show me a plot hole in my novel that was the size of a semi-truck nice Yep, he's like, I hate romance novels, but by the way, here's the biggest plot hole you've got, and I can't believe nobody sees it. And I was like, I hate you sometimes, but I love you sometimes too. <laughs> you just, sometimes you do feel like just strangling them. Just, oh, just a yeah. little. Just, just a, like, just, like all everybody else. Yeah, just a little bit. Just, just a teeny, teeny tiny bit. So, okay, on to books, because this is like... The best topic, I I always think, is a good way to start the show. Because if you're, you know, talking books, books, you know, that's <laughs> our thing. That's our jig. Um, it's also our addiction, I think. <laughs> we're not addicted to, the, we're not addicted to the illegal stuff. No, no, no. We're addicted to the stuff that can, you know, take down an entire house. Um, so what is the book that you've read recently that you would say has stuck with you the most? That you've just, oh, Wow. You don't have one, do you? No, full disclosure. I just don't... I don't know, I don't read as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, I find that hard, too, actually. Yeah. um, Yeah, I don't know, it's weird. Um, The last favorite book I read, though, was The Comic-Con by D. Lagasse. Okay. Um, Not... It's weird, because I'm not a superhero, Marvel... Fan. Yeah, I just it's not me. Like, yeah, I enjoy the Batman movie. I haven't seen any of the Spider Man movies. I think I've seen two of like the Iron Manny movies. Like, I'm just it's not my thing. I can hear so many people screaming, "Oh my God, we got to send her DVDs of us no, there!" No, please, please, I will never watch them. Please don't do it. <laughs> and I do like Chris Evans, and she does too. So it's, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but it posted her book, her cover, and her cover was adorable, and. I had emailed her and I said, I just out of curiosity, how are you getting away with using this name, this title? Because let's be honest yeah. here, right? She said she, she emailed them and asked for permission. So she got permission to use it, which is awesome. Yeah. And, um, I told her, I said, oh, I said, I want to read it. And so she sent me a copy and it was so funny mm-hmm. and so cute and so sweet and just like had all these laugh out loud moments. And it was just, I don't know. It was, it was Probably the cutest story I've read in a long time. And it's a little romantic comedy and got, you know, a little hint of drama in there and, you know, fun stuff. But it's really about this young screenwriter mm-hmm. who, and, you know, her comics turn into a movie and her heartthrob is playing the lead character, right? Oh, oh, no. I can see where this is going. And so I read this thing in probably like three days and was just, you know, completely thrilled to read it and stuff but I just I get up early and 
I work most of the time or I've got, you know, things and I've got two kids, they're older, but still two kids. Yeah. Or, um, and I just, when I go to bed, it's like, I'm out. I like life. So yeah. maybe get a chapter in, maybe I don't. Um, but lately, if someone says, hey, can you read my book for a blurb? Then I'm trying to do that mostly to help out, you know, newer authors and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, um, I, and I go pick up books at the bookstore. Like I did buy a couple books the other day. I, oh, I watched The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. And so I bought. I am on the fence about that. So you need what? to. Excellent. Should I? Like, yes. is it worth it? Worth it. Okay. Yeah. I will. I will put it on but my list now. Michael Connelly's book. So that I could read them to see, not to see the difference, but to, yeah, they're six book series. I mostly yeah. read them because the first book was a movie with Matthew McConaughey, which I didn't know until the other day. Yeah. And then Netflix or whoever's in production. So has taken the second book and turned it into a series, which is where yeah. I'm at with my series, my book stuff, because while I have the first movie and, you know, that's kind of off limits, I would really like to turn this into a series for Netflix. Hulu, whatever. Of course, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like totally intrigued on how this is done. So I want to read the books and you know, do like my little and see the movie, compare the notes and, and that kind of thing. So it's more like business now. But yeah, it, it does feel like that, yeah. But they've done exactly what I want to do. So now mm-hmm. it's like a project for me. So I'm going to read those probably pretty soon. Um, and what else did I read? Oh, I read an older Kristen Hanna book. Um, this year, and I'm just kind of waiting for the second part of Firefly Lane to come out. Right. Um, and I wish that was like coming out soon, but yeah. So the reading thing is just not hasn't been my thing for a while. Um, it's more my thing now that we just moved to the beach. So yeah. really nice days in the morning. We get up, go to the beach from like nine to noon, and just kind of sit there and chill and relax. But um, like the other day, I went to the beach and wrote. So, again, it's my thing. If I have time to read, then I have time to write. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that, that tear. I feel the same way. Like, I mean, I'm actually writing and reading kind of like the same. Because, like, if you're writing for, for Mills and Boone, then you have to write a certain way. So I'm having to read Mills and Boone so that I can keep the style of how it's written in my head so that when I'm writing, it, it matches kind of what they try and put out. And it's difficult because I, I almost have that argument in my head, too, where I'm like, if I've got time to read, I really should be writing. And, and I'm still trying to, yeah, like I'm still I'm still up till two o'clock in the morning, just making sure I'm reading as much as I can so that I have that, that voice balance in my head. And everything I like to read, um, I prefer to read in third person because um, yeah. the book that I'm about to write for publishing will be in third person. But the books for my Beaumont series are in first person, and it's just like, it's that mind thing. So the books that I am picking up are all in third person, except for the Michael Conley books are in first person, so they're kind of like, you know, that's... I like little... that. You're a bit like me in that regard. You have to have that yep. voice setting to write. Like, gosh, I, I thought I was the only one, because I was like, I'd never heard another author say that, and I'm like, it must be just me, like, doing a mimic thing, but hearing that you do it as well as... Made yeah. me feel a little bit better about myself, to be honest. I picked up a book from the same publisher that I feel like um, this character, this character, not this character, this author has some really great descriptions. Um, and even though it's a completely different genre, like it's not even in yeah. my genre, 
but I listen. Oh, I listen to a lot of books. I will say I listen to a lot of books. I'm driving. I'm getting into that now. Doing stuff I like that. To a lot of books, but the books I listen to are suspense, murder-ish. I won't Ooh. read them, but I listen All to right. them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have devoured everything by um, Melinda Lee and Kendra Elliott. Like I have gone through their entire backlist just listening to their books. Um, I have a couple of names for you later on that you have to check out if you like listening to it. Okay. That um, are must-haves. But so I picked up a book because um, it, it comes from one of our same publishers, and so I've then but I've turned it into a guide. Like oh okay gone through and flagged and you know and this author writes in third person so i've gone through and flagged um their descriptions and their verb usage and all that so that it's less work for me in the end <laughs> it is it's a little bit like cheating but yeah i get i get where you're going with it because yeah. i i wish i'd had that when i was writing marie's world because i was writing almost in third person but i also had to write the diary entries which were in first person and just oh my gosh she see trying to like balance the two and not be repetitive and to have the right verbiage it just made my head feel like it was going to explode so for five books i just felt like ah but i'm glad i'm not writing any more of them at the moment (laughs) (laughs) i don't have to go back and do it at some point i'm just like "Uh, can it wait like I need to. I need to need to make money first, and then I can go back and finish the series. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Sometimes you have to do what your bread and butter is. So yeah. That you can up later. Yeah. So if you had time to just sit and read and just enjoy, like you have no reason to write, you can just sit and you can read anybody. You have to pick an author to to read, a series to read. And a book, like a an author to listen to on Audible. So you got three. Okay. So you have to pick three different ones. So if I'm not, if this is prior to writing, um, I love Nelson DeMille. Okay. And he, um, so he writes a lot of standalones, but he writes one series, um, with the same character over and over, John Corey. Um, so he's got like. I want to say three or four books out with him. Love that series. Um, John Corey is a um, ex-police. I think he went to FBI sort of thing. Yeah. City. Um, and his books are Nelson DeMille's books are pretty much real life, so they kind of base off things that are going on. So, um, you know, he has um, the TWA flight that mysteriously blew up after leaving. New York City at one time, and they talked about like one of his books ends with 9 11 and, and those things. So he kind of brings in the real life stuff with the fictional stuff, which is nice. And then yeah. um, I have a deep, deep love for John Grisham's um, character, Jake Brigance, who was a time to kill, um, which Matthew McConaughey played. Um, that audio, those audiobooks, so there are those three Jake Brigance books now, and those audios are spot on to Matthew McConaughey's voice. So I like a little accent. I mean, like, you know, I like a little accent. So anytime I listen to those books, um, it's just like, it sounds like Matthew McConaughey's reading to me, like, and I just can't pass that up, right? But, um, in the audiobooks that I listen to, the two authors are, uh, until I'm done with their entire backstory, the entire, or their backlist, until I'm done, it's, it's, uh, 
Melinda Lee and Kendra Elliott, and they're a romance suspense. They also co-write together, and they're just like they pump out these books like crazy. And I'm just, and they all take place either on the East Coast or West Coast. I'm from the West Coast. I'm from Oregon, and yep. the series currently listening to takes place in Oregon. But then um, the other writer writes for the East Coast, and so a lot of or takes place where my my old house is, and so it's kind of like gives me a mix of being at home both sides. Yeah. You know, talk about stuff where I grew up and all that. So, um, yeah, so definitely have an Audible subscription. Um, and I definitely go to Nelson DeMille's book, um, the first one that I picked up on this. Year. I've read most of his books, um, but John Corey is, is my favorite character with him. And then with um, with John Gershon, it's Jake Brigance. I tend to stay away from romance, though, um, because I don't want something to influence my writing yeah yeah no i get i get that like i'm listening to historical you know romance just to keep the romance going for me yeah but it's like by tessa dare so there's nothing to what i'm writing right now because i'm writing two contemporaries um so yeah i have to kind of like jump almost jump genres if i'm writing yeah Except for when I'm writing YA, because then I have to have, like, the fantasy stuff, but it has to be a completely separate type of fantasy to what I'm writing in order for me to, to be able to, to do that and enjoy it. So I get I get where you kind of go with that kind of feeling. Okay, is there an author, past and present, who's A, influenced you to read, B, insp- you know, inspired you to write, and C, who's gotten you excited about books? Um, so I'll go say definitely the inspiration for reading with Judy Bloom. Yep. Because not only does she get you when you're preteen, she gets you when you're a teen, and she gets you when you're an adult. She's got all three covers. She's got you from the beginning to the end. Uh, yep. Um, the, let's see, who inspired me? Or, let's see, who I'm most excited. Um, I don't know. I used to be super excited for Charlene Harris with her Suki Stockhouse books. Yeah. Um, like, um, I waited for those. Like, mm-hmm. like three. I was a midnight release and I was like in line at the yeah. book. Then just like devouring those. And same with like Cassandra Clare with the yep. first she was working on. Like those, I just gobbled those up. Um, Did you try Shirley Cannon? Um, I think I tried one of hers. And I don't remember why it just never flew. I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. Suki Stackhouse is because of Eric. Like, <laughs> and then there's Alfie. Like, come on now. But, um. No, because I'm, I'm just, like, curious because when you mentioned her, I was like, oh, I wonder if she likes Christine Freeham or if she liked Shirley Kenny. Because they almost, like, after the whole True Blood thing kind of died down, yeah, they were the two that kept going. And I, were, I just admire that. They were the more of the adults side of that way yeah. and I'm really interested to the YA focus of you know yeah. just about the YA part that's kind of innocent except for obviously Charlene she also had this, the story about the uh, vampire in the shoes or something like that I don't remember um, but so I used to be super excited for them now I'm just super excited for my peers when they have a release because you know yeah of course you know that kind of stuff um, or now you know the, the excitement part comes from when you know people get TV deals or four movie deals and all that stuff, and so I have a friend who has a TV deal 
she's an announcement yet. I'm really waiting for her to be able to announce it. So I bet you're like buggered or too. Like, can you go? Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? We were just talking about it the other day. Um, but she can't announce it yet. So I'm just like, oh my gosh! Like, I'm so excited. I can't wait to share this news. So that's yeah. Really comes these days is what my peers are doing and you know that kind of thing. Or when a new show comes out, like a new season of Virgin River. Super excited. Finished that last night. I uh, haven't done it yet. I am. Um... Because mm, like I, I'm scared it's not gonna live up to the rest of it. But then so I'm I, also full disclosure. I never read the book, so I don't know where it should go. I don't. What. I haven't read the books either. Like yeah. I'm such a bad. Like I watched a ta- uh, Anatomy of Scandal. Highly recommend, by the way. That was like my set on the fence one. I really wasn't sure, and then everyone talked to me into that, and I'm like, okay, it's really good. But like. I don't know, like, I, after the whole disaster of Outlander, I've just been sort of a bit more nervous about going back to things in case it just isn't the same. Because, like, the end of Outlander season one was just too much for me, and then they kind of carry it on all the way through season two, and so I haven't been able to watch season two. And I'm like, "Mm," you know, and I read the book, the second book, so I could watch season three. But yeah, yeah. No, I definitely haven't read those the Robin Carr books for this series. She's got a lot. I did look into it, but there's like yeah. a million of them. So I was like, I'm just gonna. Watch I know. Them. I saw it too. Like I started picking them up, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like yeah. I don't have enough space for this. Yeah, I'm just gonna watch the TV show. So I do like that. Like I said, I'm waiting for Firefly Lane to come back because it just so, cut yeah. off half the movie. I was like, where's the rest of the show? Did you uh, see Faded? Faded. Is that the Lauren? That was the one with the, um, they're all, like, pixies and fairies, they're at school together, and this girl didn't know she was a fairy, and she ends up having to go to the school, because she's got all these Mm-mm. powers, and then it doesn't quite, yeah, it's weird, it's a really weird one, but it's a good fantasy one. Where, is that on, what? Netflix. Netflix, okay, I'll have to look it up. Dated, yeah. Did you also see, um, Carnival Roll? Roll? So, I started that. And uh, the steampunk thing's just really not my thing, so I, think I know I, made, I struggled with that too. I but the sex it, was good. The sex scenes were good. Like <laughs> I I, that's what saved it for me. Like I was yeah. just like, oh come on, just get it on. Like yeah. I've 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 gone through the hour. Please just have sex, so I can have something good to look at. No, I think um, I'm first. What about Bridgerton? Are you a Bridgerton? You're not. Do you tell the hype? Ah. Uh, yeah, I think if it that wasn't right, um, I would probably, like, my niece loves it. She absolutely loves it. Yeah. Um, but it's just so hype all the time that I'm afraid it's just going to let me down. I'm not a big historical person to begin with. And um, I just, I'm just so afraid that I'm going to watch this and be like, uh, because I've tried to watch The Gilded Age. I did watch that. And I was a bit <laughs> let down with it. Um, they film that here and in the mansions where I live. Yeah. I can't. I was a little let down, but I think it's because I I was there with the whole Downton thing. I lived Downton because it was such a big thing in in, in Scotland that I was just sucked into it. So yeah. I almost expected that same kind of experience and what it wasn't like Downton, I was almost like uh, really sad. Yeah. 
Um, I never watched Downton Abbey yet either. I've talked to myself about starting it. Um, right. Mostly, I was never really interested in, although I love Meg Smith, like, um, but I was never really interested until I saw the previews for the movie. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, can I just see the movie and not watch the show? And everyone's like, no, you really should watch the show. And I was like, oh, great. Well, so now I've never seen the movie. I've got to catch up on like seven seasons of a show. But. Yeah. Yeah, so. No. no, I get that. I get that. And I, I think it's, it's, it is difficult to kind of get that balance of whether a show is going to be really, really good or whether it's going to just be kind of like a letdown. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. What genre are you mostly drawn to when you visit bookshops or online bookstores? Uh, women's fiction. Um, the same. Barnes and Noble, I head right to the women's fiction section. Um, those are the only physical books I'll read is women's yeah. fiction for young adults. Um, the rest I'll do on audio. Um, yeah. No, that's yeah. understandable. Yeah, so, um, and I just like the the covers a lot in women's fiction. Um, and, yeah, I don't know, just more drawn to, and, and mostly it's always in third person. <laughs> so. Do you not think that it, it feels kind of like more of what we're facing now that we're older like it's more it's more of what we're dealing with on an everyday kind of it's more like an everyday sort of thing where the drama kind of just makes sense to us because we're more grown up and we're experiencing more different things it's more of an everyday drama like right you know it's more life-like i guess yeah um yeah. and it's so high always on romance like there's real world or real issues going on in these characters lives and it's not you know just you know trying to find your baby daddy <laughs> like, yeah um so I think that's why I think because that's what I write like the second chance romance and the secret babies and you know secret pregnancy stuff like that that I tend to steer super clear away from the romance element of literature yeah. And focus on the the fiction side and yeah. So No, I get that. I, I feel like I think now that I'm older I'm kinda going to that sort of stage where I'm like, eh you know, I kinda I want something a bit more realistic, I think, is the kind of yeah. way that I put it in my mind. Uh so <laughs> Yeah, I love this question so much, but I always Yeah. Has there ever been a book that you've picked up and you wished you just hadn't like you had that moment of what did I just read or what did I just start <laughs> um yeah so without saying the name I guess because I've been pretty vocal about it so I'm very on the fence about where the fraud dad sing um from like a reader standpoint, it just seems so unrealistic that this girl was raising herself from the time she was like seven years old out in the middle of nowhere in isolation, learning to fish and run a boat, and just like it, that just seems like how, how, yeah, yeah. And from like a writer standpoint, I felt it was like super repetitive and just the same stuff over and over and over again, and that was bothersome but as a reader uh, Julia Owen's um, descriptions were beautiful and 
so detailed and just really put you in the setting. But it was just like, it, I, just, I just went back and forth, back and forth. Like, do I like this book? Do I not like this book? Do I like it? Do I not? And, and I can't come to a conclusion on whether it's a five-star read for me or a one-star read. Like, I'm just literally, like, rounding down the middle. Like, because it is good, but then it isn't good. And then it is good, but then it isn't good. Um, and as soon as my, uh, my daughter is in the leaves right now, and um, when they come back, we're going to go see the movie. But um, I, that's just the one book that I'm like, if I had never read it, I'd be okay. Yeah. But then I'm like, but I did read it, and now I just, like, have all these questions. Really? Like, where were the authorities? Where were the people? Like, how did this happen? Like, where did the dad go? Like, yeah. Oh, no, I, I totally get that. There's, like, some books I just think, where that, that just doesn't make sense. I have to put that out of my yeah. mind. So moving into the writing portion of the podcast, how did you go about kind of creating the obstacles that you have in your storylines? Like, where where did you get that inspiration from to get yourself in that mindset? Um, so most of it's just anything that I pick up, like reading an article or, yeah. you know, real life sort of situations. Um, with, for example, with Forever My Girl... You know, it's the death of his best friend and the life that he's created for himself and how he's super just shut off from everybody except for his little rock star group. Yeah. You know, got to go home and he's got to, you know, really not to be punny, but face the music, right? Yeah. You know, and then um, carrying through that series, it's all about second chances and, and just, you know, there's always, you know, the obstacle of like in Holding On Forever where... Um, life repeats itself. Now the daughter's in a car accident. She's on life support. Like, she's touch and go and, you know, she's yeah. like going first and all that kind of stuff. So, but most of it just comes from the environment. Like, what's going on? Articles that I've read, articles that I've posted on, like, you know, in the news section on Facebook. I always check back to see, you know, what posts can be made, posted on Reddit, like, them on the asshole. Like, what kind of situation are you people going through? So, it's, you know, it's, it's the real life situations like that that come through and say, okay, well, I'm going to take this and I'm going to take this situation and I'm going to take this situation. Like the story that I just pitched is about a bucket list. But yeah. You, yeah. you know, have them, but you do ever, ever use them. Yeah. Like, do you actually ever write a list down and say, this is what I want to accomplish by whenever? Like, my number one thing on my bucket list was to meet John Travolta. Done, check mark, done, don't ever have to do it again. And so now mm-hmm. sometimes my number one spot, but it's been a couple of years now and nothing's moved in. It's like, ah, eh. you know, like, yeah, in town, we had this uh, folk festival that just happened. I wouldn't have gone um, unless I had known he was going to be there. Everybody's mm-hmm. uh, when we just moved to town. So, you know, it's like I missed off the ticket. But then Saturday night, Paul Simon decides to show up, just decides to show up and play. And now while I would never go to see him in concert, I would have liked to have seen him at the festival, right? And then last night, um, or uh, he knew that so I used to live in Vermont and I used to go to this pub where this pub was the backdrop for the musical Town. Yeah. And the director of Town was performing Saturday, and so, or the writer, the writer of Hadestown, um, Anise Mitchell, she was, uh, she was performing on Saturday. I would have loved to go listen because maybe she would have performed this song to Hindi Sound because she actually wrote them, right? So it's like one of those things. And then last night, we find out that 
uh, Brandy Carlisle, we knew she was going to perform, and Mary Morris was going to oh, dang, like, really would have just liked to have gone and just filled the yeah, festival. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from, yeah. yeah. Brandy Carlisle performs, and not only does she perform, but she brings out Winona Judd. Yeah. And then she brings out Joni Mitchell. Okay, like, yeah. Yeah. Why did I not have a ticket to this show? So, yeah, but in that case, it's like, I would have, had I been there, I would have had my little notes, I would have been taking notes, taking notes, watching people's reaction, and just picking up on what's going on in the environment to spin that into my to my stories. And, you know, like the bucket list show, right? You know, who's on your bucket list? Oh, I want to see Joni Mitchell perform, because she hasn't performed for 50 years. Like, yeah. that's bucket list. And someone just, you know, they, or when Paul Simon performed, everyone in the audience, everyone at this place was just white. And listening yeah. to the thing, Sound of Silence. Like, there was no sounds. They were just listening because that was someone's bucket list. And so that's how I look at things. Like, you know, I'll come up, like I said, at that concept took me three years to write. So I came up with the idea at the beginning. And then now you have to really work on the middle and just, like, you know, finally we just figured out the ending and how to end it perfectly. And, you know, that was a three-year process. Like, me going back and forth and agent, agent, you know, doing this, I'm like, oh, I'm going to add this, and then I'm going to take this out and do this, and I don't really want it to be romance, but, you know, I don't want it to be his romance, her romance, it just has to be, you know, like you're more of a women's fiction sort of thing, and when we finally got it done, now comes the part of actually what is physically on their bucket list. Like, yeah. and it has to be, it can't just be like, oh, I want to go get a massage. Like, it has to be a substantial emotional pull for them to do something. So, you know, that's how I I just take what's around me and, and, you know, write it down. And then I go back to my notes and be like, oh, I can put this in this story and put this in this story and that sort of thing. Yeah. So what inspired you to enter sort of your genre of writing that, that you brought your own voice to? What was it that drew you to this particular point say I'm going to add my voice to this genre because so it wasn't anything intentional it wasn't right. any moving or even eloquent as you just put the question uh, <laughs> I tried <laughs> because I my love my my heart was in young adult paranormal like mm-hmm. I wrote a that I absolutely adore and I want to publish it someday but I want it yeah. to be published by a traditional publisher yeah. um, and uh, Forever My Girl was it was straight just I saw that photo told my girlfriend my, my friend what the plot line was going to be why he left why he came back 26 days later I had a story that's okay. what happened I never set out I from when I had initially said I wanted to write a story. I was reading books all the time. I was like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And wrote my story. And I, you know, I did it. I queried. I, I did the, the agent thing and it just didn't work out. And then right. for my girl, and you're, you're in, you're, once that happened, I was in it. Like there was no going anywhere else. Like that's where it is. And so while I still want to do my young adults, I have young adults, all my concepts are under the so that it's very clear that, you know, when you read a Heidi book, it's under this, and then when you're going to read this book, it's it's young adult. So there's going to be no mixing, no anything like that. So young adult is still my passion, and I, and I still plan to write it. <laughs> I know, it's, it's my passion too, but I kind of feel like 
I have to go write other things right now to kind of pay the bills and do that kind of thing. And it's sad because I have so much YA that I want to do. Like I have, you know, I have a story that's finished that I wrote when I was in, you know, ICU. And then I have other ones. And yeah, I just, I know that feeling. And I'm like, God damn it. So yeah, I, I kind of, I'm with you on that so when you wrote your book, was it like a, a movie or a jigsaw puzzle um, that you put together in your head? No, everything plays out in my head like a movie. It's just how I see storytelling. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, scene by scene. And I'm just, all I'm doing is, you know, taking the scene as I see it, putting it on paper and adding all the little fluffy things around it. To make and, a good book, yeah. And, and then... We're going on to the next scene. So, yeah, everything for me plays out like a movie. So, is there been a character that you would have said stuck with you the longest out of all the books you've written? Uh, it's, that's going to be Liam. Liam Page. Right. Girl. Like, people either love him or they hate him. They either yeah. love him or they do in the movie. I mean, it's just, it's a constant, but he's always, in any of the Beaumont books, which there's quite a few of them, he's always yeah. there always a character he's always a main character even when he's the sub character like he's the he's the patriarch that keeps everybody together he's the wheelhouse so um and he was my first he's my first everything and yeah so definitely him is there a character you wish you could have written more about um i i would Normally, I would have said yes to this question, and it had been Mason, but being that I just finished his book, um, or just released his book, then, you know, he really did take a lot of that, that character pressure off that you feel about characters that don't get enough time, and they're always, like, nagging you or whatever. Yeah. Um, definitely him, but I'd say, you know, there's probably, um, I do have a character named Grady, who um, is definitely waiting for his story, and it's 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 in the synopsis form, just has to go to outlining and, and then he can have a story. So he's definitely one and people are waiting for the story. So yeah. I was working on it and I am just, it's just, it's a process. And, um, yeah. So I think Grady right now, of all my characters, his name's Grady, Grady Chamberlain, who's in my after all, uh, my Cape Harbor series after all and until then. So it's now his turn to get his due diligence in the story and make amends and, and, you know, seek retribution for, you know, the incidences that happened between him when he is in his life. So he's the winner. I like that. No, I, I do. I like that. And since we've talked a lot about techniques, I, I'm going to skip that question because I think I don't want to overload everyone with techniques. So going into the life uh, portion of the podcast, what is the first thing that you do when you need to just de-stress from editing and writing? What do you do? Where do you go? Um, I watch Friends. <laughs> that is not the answer I was expecting. What is? There are so many people that say these sort of things that catch me off guard, and then I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought you were going to say I go for a walk on the beach or I go out in nature. And oh, okay. <laughs> um. So granted, I would love to go out and walk on the beach, and yes, that is probably a thing that will start happening. But I just moved to the beach, so you get a like, bit wary. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite there yet. <clears throat> uh, I watch Friends a lot, um, and I use Friends for background noise because I've seen every episode probably fifty times. 
<laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and when I leave my house, they turn friends on to my dogs. Like, you know, we watch, we're, we, my girls and I are, we're a friend's family or whatever. Yeah, I know. I get so, it. I love that. Yeah. If I'm not in the mood to write, to edit, to do that stuff, if it's a down day or whatever, I'll just lay on the couch and watch friends because it's so mindless. And I've seen yeah. all the episodes. There's nothing I need to retain. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, in the future, moving forward, um, when I need to decompress, it is definitely going to the beach. Um, it's 10 minutes away. So. What, well, yeah. What hobbies do you enjoy and which ones do you wish you could explore more of? So about three years ago, I started my own like t-shirt stuff. T-shirt all business. right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I honestly just got tired of having one of the t-shirt companies do my stuff and it just being really low quality. Um, yeah. I, that's why I stopped doing merch myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I started doing my own merch. So, mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of taken on a life of its own. So my husband has taken over most of it. Um, and we were running a store until we moved. Um, we did have yeah. a store. People come in, they can play their, or do their orders and do all that, get all their custom work done. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we make a lot of mugs. We make a lot of, um, stickers and a lot of t-shirts. And so it's, I have all my own swag that I can physically produce is all done in-house. So all the yeah. is where it needs to be. Um, and I can keep my costs low for my readers. Like it's just the yeah. best thing. Um, if I wasn't writing, I would totally do that full time for all the authors. Oh so, yeah. Oh, I, I would totally agree with that. Because having someone who isn't a corporate corporation who's doing yeah. it helps you keep your costs low. It does. It does. And I mean, I'm actually looking for someone to do my own, but I've kind of given up hope on it really, because in Scotland, there really isn't anybody. Um, yeah. And my merch is, is for American-based audiences, so then I run into the problem of trying to get it to the States. So I know that feeling. And, uh, we can talk yeah. about it because once we, we will are, have to. Once we are back set up, because we haven't been able to set up yet in our new house, yeah. we'll have to move some stuff, um, we can absolutely run a POD. Like, yeah. 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 No, that, ma that makes sense. Yeah. So... I myself have idiopathic rheumatoid arthritis, which affects my eyes and my body, and it makes me slow down whether I freaking want to or not, and it makes me appreciate the day. What would you say makes you slow down and sort of smell the roses and enjoy your day? Um, so, it's definitely my kids, even though they are older. They're 26 and 20, and like I said earlier, they're in Belize. They've, they're on a sister trip, which is amazing for them. Yeah. Uh, they... All they have to do is ask me to do something. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of something. I'm like, all right, I got 20 minutes, got 30 minutes, or I'll give them a time. Hey, we're going to leave at this time so you guys be ready to go. Yep. Um, I started writing when my youngest was eight. Yeah. Being able to, um, and my oldest was in high school. So um, being able to just, as soon as I quit my day job or as soon as it was, you know, I really don't care if you pay me today because I already have some savings in the bank and I'm just going to take the day off sort of thing. Um, I got to do a lot more field trips. I got to, we did more college tours. We did tons of stuff. My youngest, you know, when she was looking at college, she's not really bad knee. She's had three knee surgeries. She wanted to go south. Yeah. 
So I'm like, well, let's go to her some southern schools. Of course, we got down there and she hated it. So, Of course, uh, that's always the way. Cali might be a good option then. <laughs> but my job afforded me that ability to make, yeah. it make, I make my own schedule more or less, right? So even mm-hmm. though, like, everything I work on is outlined and I use outline as my boss, more or less. This is what you have to do today. Yep, you do. Yep. I have the flexibility of moving my days around and doing that. So that is very much my, they say, mom, we need to go shopping. Mom can go to the beach. Mom can go to the beach. Yep. Give me 20 minutes and we'll be ready to go. Like you go take care of the dogs. You go get the stuff ready. Let me finish my job. Plus I can take my, my computer. Mm -hmm. I use an office smart. Um, I can take that to the beach. Yeah, yeah, of course you can. That's why I, I can do it in the hospital. So, yeah. I'm going to go swimming. They're going to go to the beach. Yeah. Um, around here, you have to have the beach pass. So, I have the beach pass on my car or whatever. So, um, but, you know, like last week, we went to the beach first thing in the morning. I said, well, in here until noon. i got to go home and work. Um, but we got home, and my youngest needed to go get a bunch of stuff for us. And she's like, can you take me? Because I don't know this area very well. I was like, yeah, I'll you. So, that's what we ended up doing. So that's my definite, as soon as they say, hey, can we do something? I'm like, yep, I just need 20 minutes. Let me, let me finish up what I'm doing, and then we're, we're out of here. We'll go do whatever you want to do. So I get that, and I, I love that because um, I'm about to, you know, we're trying for a baby, and I'm terrified. Like, because I'm like, how the hell am I going to juggle all this? But then I, I kind of remind myself, well, you know, Crystal, you've got a computer. The kids can do stuff. You can write. You know, you can balance it. And when it comes to organization skills, that that's yeah. my that's my area. So where would you say is your favorite place to curl up when you just want to read? Do you go to like during the day? Is it like a garden or do you go to a cafe, the beach, Reader's Nook? Where's your place to just read? Lately, um, lately my husband and I have been going to the beach after dinner. Oh, so okay. We, we take our book. Sometimes he'll go walk the beach, and so we just sit there and we read for a couple hours. We watch the sunsets. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's what we've been doing. If I'm home by myself or uh, we've been in this heat wave, which is hopefully ending today. We've um, got it here. We've just, we, we're still kind of going through it. And yeah. it's extreme here. It's gross. No yeah. AC, people. Crystal has no AC. Feel sorry <laughs> for me. I do. I do. My girlfriend, my friend lives in Colchester, England. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for her. Um, but we have a, we have a, we live in a condo. We've just, Things so, um, but we have a fenced backyard, and so we have a nice umbrella. So I'll sit out there if it's not too hot or muggy. I'll sit out there and read the book, let the dogs play around, and so forth. Um, yeah. But if I'm up and I need to read, or if it's a physical book, I'll just curl up on the couch with a blanket because I do have AC, and so it does get a little cold. But we run a lot of the AC to keep the humidity out of there. Yeah, you have to, yeah, because otherwise you get mold and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, or if I'm listening, if I got to listen to a book, then. Um, AC is a bit difficult, yeah. I'll start vacuuming or cleaning or, you know, holding laundry. Yeah. That, but I'm doing something active instead of just sitting, which is my preference is to listen. So, yeah. So yeah. we're on to the word game. All and right. I know you're going to crush this because you're a bit like me and I know you're quick on your feet. <laughs> so your first, your first word is parks. Because this is like where I would imagine meeting you for the first time by accident in an author ideal world. So, uh, your first word was parks. All right. So when you say parks, I think of picnics. Cool. I like that. 
What about beaches? Beach is, beaches are, was uh, where I wanted to live. And we made the move back in uh, June. So yeah, I beach two minutes from my house, right outside my door. If you want to go collect shells or rocks or some sea glass, it's right there. Ten minutes down the road is the sandy beach. But I live on an island, so it's water on both sides. I love it. What about ocean? <laughs> I live on the ocean. <laughs> I, mean, I imagine, though, like, I imagine being on this sort of, in this Cali area where there's a beach next to a park and we're walking around and they're having this kind of author day and I stumble into you. This is how I meet you. Yes. So, yeah. So that, um, that, we want that to happen. There's a beautiful state park in Bristol, Rhode Island on the water, beautiful bike paths, campgrounds. Like it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. I am dying. Like my dad's supposed to be in New York in Jan uh, next year sometime with the Viking thing. And I'm desperate to go with him. And I'm like, Hey dad, like I'm just going to meet all my author friends and you go to your Viking thing and I'll just meet my author friends. Yeah. Um, so he's always sold on it. Yeah. But take that. I'm two hours on the train from New York. So. I, I would definitely take it. Like, even though my dad would probably have a heart attack. Uh, yeah. What about fish? Um, fish are friends, not food. Oh, okay. Woods. What do you think of woods? You'll never catch me dead in the woods. No joke. I grew up in um, the Oregon, Washington area. My grandfather lived near the Olympic National Forest. And uh, when, I tell you, when I tell you Twilight came out and they talked about werewolves, we grew up believing there were werewolves in that forest because that forest is thick and it's dense and you and get it's me. creepy. Yeah. It no, I'm with you. Yep. But you sold me on that one. Like, nope. So when people tell me that they're going there for vacation, I'm like, it's nice knowing you. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I'm with you. Okay. What about hay? As in horses eat hay. It's good that horses eat, eat hay because you'll never catch me. I got, here's another story for you. When I was like, my grandfather had a farm or a ranch, and he raised cows, right? We had to go pick up some hay, and I was being a ding-dong little kid, probably like eight, nine years old, and I was shuffling my feet on a wooden platform and got a splinter probably three to four inches long in my toe. Ouch. Yeah. So I think of hay. Hmm. No, that's a good one. You got tulips and sunshine is your last two. Um... There's a tulip festival in Washington that I write about in my book, After All. It's amazing, perfect, beautiful, and I cannot wait. I want to go to Amsterdam. I want to be among the tulips. I want to be among the Dutch and have those beautiful tulips all the time. Um, well, I can't wait to showcase you here in Scotland. So, girl, you got to get here. I got castles I, and locks and I was all supposed- sorts up here. Um, but then the pandemic hit and, like, yeah, yeah. so... Well, you got my info now, so you can actually get the real Scottish tour when you're here. Uh, Sunshine, I need it. I love it. Everyone was complaining about this heat wave, and I get it because people don't have AC, but I have loved every single minute of it. I want the warmth. I want the sun. I burnt my face at the beach the other day um, because my UV index said it was one when it was actually nine. Not good. Yeah, um, no, my phone does that to me frequently. I, I would love to be in Cali because I, I need the sun for my health condition. Yeah. So that, that you know, that's the dream is to one day move there, write there, be a screenwriter there, and just San Diego. Life. San Diego, because let me tell you, I mean, the city of San Diego is big, metropolitan, like probably not where you want to be, yeah. but there, 
and then you just you take the bridge across the water to Coronado where all the Navy SEALs are hanging out. Oh, okay. I see where your mind's going. I was thinking Sa- Santa Monica chilling, but yeah, I, I could I could grow that. Cold. So, Is um, it? I, so I lived in San Jose. Um, yeah. And um, went to Los Angeles a lot. Uh, Santa Monica does you know, and they get cold in the wintertime, you know, but not for long, you know, a couple. I could survive that. A couple yeah. weeks, maybe. But if you want all the time sun, like all the time, everything, it's San Diego. It's down yeah, south. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking San Diego, kind of Santa Monica, Santa yeah. Monica because of work, but um, yeah. yeah. But Santa well, Monica. It's been, it's been yeah. amazing. I, I have loved this podcast. I have to say, like, there's so many that I do, and I'm just like, so I just I love loved having you on next book when you come to do your yeah. next one please email me so I can have you back because I uh-huh. love talking to you. Well, um, we're going to have another podcast you and I because we are going to dominate this Hollywood. Green. We have to. We have we're to. We do this. We're gonna. You know. I have a way actually to talk back. to people in Hollywood after this, which is so weird because I'm, as I said, I'm doing a mentorship program with Shona Land and. I'm off to talk to them about it, and it's it's just, you know, it's blowing my mind in a way. So, yeah, we have to do more. I reckon do a couple more of these, talking yeah. about Hollywood, and maybe setting some people straight about some things, too, like, do you, as you were saying, about contracts and things like that. Oh. I think it's really important. Um, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, you could I could give the writer-to-be experience, and you can give the experience of actually doing it, and I think that would that would be awesome. I think but, so. Yeah, viewers, uh, sorry, listeners, because you're not viewing this, uh, listeners, check in next week as we've got an even titillating, juice-sensilating episode that you're not going to want to miss.